Well, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't we stand and read? Open up your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. I think it's a familiar chapter. So if you find Jeremiah, it's after Jeremiah. If you find Ezekiel, it's before Ezekiel. Jeremiah chapter 3. I mean, Lamentations chapter 3. Let me get it right first. All right. Lamentations chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 through 24. And I will be focusing on one verse there, verse 24. This is the reading of the... Word of the Lord. I am the man who has seen affliction. Because of the rod of his wrath, he has driven me and made me in darkness and not in light. Surely against me has he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places, he has made me dwell. Like those who have long been dead, he has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I have become a laughingstock to all my people. Their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So so I say my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I have hope. In him. Let us pray. Father, we do come before you this morning. And Lord, as your word has been opened to us and we read it, Lord, now I pray, Lord, that you would empower me, Lord, give me strength. Help me, Lord, to impart your word rightly. Lord, to stir one another up unto good deeds and godliness. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. My hope this morning is really just to impart to you something that has been on my heart, on my mind lately, something that I have been um, asking myself, something that I have been evaluating myself and asking several questions, questions that I have asked myself about the Lord being my portion. Does my soul say that? Is the Lord my portion? And so my self-evaluation was not at the mere level of just the um, affirmation of the words I have said, the Lord is my portion. It runs deeper, and I pray that this morning your evaluation of yourself runs deeper as well and goes down to the very core of that which you're saying and how that coincides and how that matches up with the life that you and I are living. So that is my hope this morning. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Uh, It's quite easily broken up. And within this phrase this morning, there are three aspects or truths that I want to impart with you, and that is the Lord. That is also my portion, and then my soul. So the Lord, my portion, my soul. You know, the writer, in the midst of all that was happening, some think it was Jeremiah, others think it was somebody else. We'll call him the writer or the poet for the book of Lamentations is quite a poetic book, acrostic in in form. But all that was happening to the writer and happening to the city of God, we just read a glimpse of that. We just saw a glimpse of that. We saw a portion of that. But if after today's sermon, after today you go home, read the book of Lamentations, five chapters, and you will see much more than what is depicted in chapter 3 of what's happening to the city of God, one that was once adorned in its beauty and, and just the temple of Solomon. And um, they were rejoicing. It says that old men had compassion and, and, women, and, and women had compassion. Old men were respected and young men rejoiced and there was dancing and there was free water to drink. You know, the Babylonians didn't come in at that time, but then the Babylonians came. And the Lord sent the Babylonians, did he not? It was the Lord's doing. This was upon his people. <clears throat> but all that we read, I mean, the, look at in verse 8, right? The, the, he shut my prayers. He shut my prayers. In verse 18, so I say, a conclusive statement here, my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. That's rock bottom. He, he, is, he is down and he has no hope. But in the midst of all of that, 
he was able to make a declaration that we read. He was able to utter these words that the Lord is faithful, that his mercies are new every morning. He was able to say that the Lord is his portion and therefore he will have hope and he will hope in the Lord. He was able to say that. Any other person could not and would not say something like that unless it was through and by the enabling power of God. Otherwise, a man can't make that kind of statement. But look at the confidence that he has in verse 21 there of who the Lord was and still is. Look at the kindness of the Lord there to even bring to his memory, to his thought, and say, this I recall. This I recall. There would be no recalling if it was not for the Lord to help him to remember who he is. This I recall to mind. But before we take a look at this, I want us to understand what is meant, really, by the word portion. We... we, hear that word many times within scripture the lord is my portion this is jacob's portion this is esau's portion this is my portion your portion an inheritance a land Um, there are different ways that this word is used uh, especially in the old testament and i I just want to bring out those ways quite rapidly here as is found in the word of God. First, it can be something that is distributed or received. A portion distributed or received. If you were to sit at my parents' table or my parents-in-law's table, you would not receive a single portion. You would receive a double portion because it's the Romanian way. You can't just have a single portion. You have to have more, even if you say, I want one portion. So there's, there's that portion And that aspect of portion, here it is. It can also be in regards to um, a land or an inheritance, right? The prodigal son received his inheritance and squandered it. He spent his inheritance. It could be in in land, it can be in, in money. But here in this context, and what I'm focusing on this morning, this word portion means quite simply, that which is your share, that which is your part. Uh, Even more, maybe a better definition is this. To have a portion in someone, in the Lord or in someone, means to be affiliated with that person or belong to that community, to belong to that person, um, that which is most dear and close to you. My dear wife, Ligia, after 20 years, And thank you all for the congratulations. But after 20 years, she is my portion. I am hers and she is mine. There is no other portion that I have but her. I belong to her and she belongs to me. And that goes for your children, our children as well. They are our portion. For a time, I suppose. Sadly as that is. But what about the text that is before us then? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. The Lord. 
Have you ever walked into an area? <clears throat> I know it's happened to me. We'll take the, um, I mean, it could be on the, on the picking teams uh, for, you know, grade school, who's going to be on your team. And, uh, or it could be you walking into maybe more the DMV, getting your license plate and, and such. And you walk in and you don't, maybe young, don't realize, but you walk in, you walk right up to the free window. I mean, there's an open window. There's a person there. You walk right up there and then you're immediately stopped and said, no, all these people that are waiting, they have a number. You need to get a number. You need to be called. You need to be chosen to come up. And only when your name is called, then you can come up. Otherwise, you can't. Well, maybe that's a poor illustration. Maybe it's not such a good one as the statement that is before us this morning. But you see, before any of us can even make such a declaration that the Lord is my portion, the Lord needs to say, you are my portion. Before you can claim the Lord as your portion, the Lord has to claim you as his portion. The privilege, or better said, the choice is ours, but not by our doing. Without the Lord being the first mover, right? The, the one who makes that first move, the creator who calls the dead to life. <clears throat> Without the Lord making that declaration before the foundations of the earth, I have chosen you. Without him making the wonderful news that the Apostle John declares to us, we love because he first loved us. Without that being uh, true in our lives, the Lord cannot and will not be our portion. It won't happen. Our souls would not be able to say, the Lord is my portion. Now, I understand there are those who, and many of you can say, and many in this world say, the Lord is my portion. Yeah, anybody can say it. But not everybody can say it with full meaning and faith. The only reason we are able to truly say and personalize those words, applying our portion to the Lord, is because we are first and foremost God's portion. We are his portion. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 9, Moses, the song of Moses, he says this, the Lord's portion is his people. And Jacob's allotment, Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. The Lord's portion is his people. It was the unconditional. It was the unchanging. It was the unrelenting. It was the unending covenantal love of God For his people, God's portion is his people. There wasn't anything good in us, really, to convince the Lord to even set his eyes upon us. Nothing good. We weren't the choice pick for his portion. And Israel was reminded of this. And it is good for us to be reminded of this as well. In Deuteronomy 7, he says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession, special treasure portion. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, 
But before you find confidence in that, he continues, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord brought you out of a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. This was the Lord's doing. And wasn't this our lot as well? Nothing in us, but on the also were those who were in the house of slavery, in the house of sin, but the Lord came and rescued us. We were under the bondage of sin. That was our portion. That is who we belong to. But now we are in the house of God, and this is because of his great love for us. He said, you are my portion. And the writer states this, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. In some translations, it says the Lord's loving kindness never ceases, or the Lord's loving kindness, it is the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed. You think for a moment, if the love of God would cease for his people, what would take place? Even for a moment, yes, we would be consumed. We would be no more. We would be helpless. We'd be in a most desperate state. Not to mention his mercy that is new every morning. It is unmatched and it runs deep. That's the mercy of our God. Brethren, we belong to him. And we are precious in his sight. We are his portion. We are his portion. Tell me, to whom does he speak when he says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will never forget, says the Lord. I will never forget. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. What about the mountains may be removed and the, and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. To whom does he speak when he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. These these verses, these truths are to encourage us this morning to know that our God has chosen us as his portion. What about in Zephaniah 3.17? I love this verse. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with singing. That is our God. I love how Spurgeon just writes about that. He says, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. As he looked upon the word, world, he spoke and said, it is very good, but he didn't sing. And as he views the works of providence, I hear not that he sings, but when he gazes on you, 
and on me the purchase of Jesus' blood, his own chosen ones. The great heart of the infinite restrains itself no longer. But wonder of wonders, of miracles, God, the eternal one, sings out of the joy of his soul. Truly, we are the Lord's portion. This is our God. And all of this would not be if it wasn't for the love of the Father for the Son. We got to take it there because that's the only place you can go. It's know that this is all because of the Father's love for the Son. He made us alive together with Christ. And it is by grace that we have been saved. It is because of Christ. He, he's the remedy of all the multiple doubts or questions that may arise in our hearts and minds. And we are to look away from ourselves but to Christ. We are to look to Christ. For in and through and because of him, we are God's portion. So what are we to do? Well, Colossians 1.12 says this quite clearly. We are to give thanks. We're to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us, has made us fit to share in the portion of the inheritance, in the portion or the inheritance of the holy ones in light. God has qualified us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are fit. We are made right with him. His love for us, declaring us his portion, his lot, his inheritance. And he is faithful to keep us to the end. That which he has said is my portion. But in light of the Lord choosing us as his inheritance, what our response is to be like, is, it's to be like what the writer wrote. The Lord says, you are my portion. Our response ought to be, yes, Lord, you are my portion. With all that is within me, you are my portion. The Lord is my portion is really like this. The Lord is my all in all. He's my inheritance. He's my hope. He's my stay. He's my help. He is my salvation. He is my redeemer. He is my beloved and I am his. There is no other that I belong to. There is no other that I claim as my everything. But sadly, this is not always true in the believer's life. And this is where I want to really dive in and have your ear. Because it's one thing to say that the Lord is my portion, but it's another to live a life knowing that the Lord is your portion. We're ever a changing people. God never changes. To him we were always his portion. Even in our rebelling against him, it is because we were and are his portion that he pursued after us with an unfailing love. But we, we are so fickle. We are so changing. We are so up and down, inconsistent. In one moment, he is our portion. In the next moment, we speak a different word. 
who our portion is changes with our circumstances many times. But brethren, it shouldn't be this way and we can't live this way. Look at the writer in the third chapter. Before he makes the awesome declaration, he's there. He's there in the midst of the outpouring of God's judgment and wrath against Israel. And he's sharing in the affliction of Israel. He's a part of it. He's not excluding himself. And that's why I read chapter 3 because it fits well the context there. It's pretty grim. But for the situation that the writer finds himself in is very unique indeed. The same God who declares them to be his portion is the one who has ordained the suffering and the exile. His judgment and anger against them. In Lamentations 3.38, he says, Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? This is the Lord's doing. But not without reason. You see, in the first chapter, we are told as to why this is taking place. And the reason why it's taking place is because Jerusalem has sinned greatly. That there are a multitude of transgressions. As Calvin writes, this is not because of one or two incidences. This is because there is a rebellion against God. And that is what is taking place here. And God in his, in his judgment and in his anger sends the Babylonians. The city that was once a city glorying and honoring God is now a city in ruins. But in the kindness of God, the writer catches a glimpse of who God is, a character of who God is, the character of God. He catches that glimpse and he's reminded, no, the Lord, no, he's faithful. No, the Lord, he's merciful. No, the Lord is my portion and therefore I will have hope. In the midst of all of that, this is his claim. This is what he says. As one commentator puts it, God's compassion is greater than his anger. So in the middle of the book of Lamentations, this is what the writer says, among the many truths that the Lord is my portion. Brethren, can you say that this morning? Give me my portion. Give me my Lord. Can you say those words? The Lord is my portion and mean it. May it be so. But I am afraid that although we may say it with our lips, as I mentioned in our way of life, our actions tell a different story at times. And if this is not you, then all I ask is that you have patience with me as I ask several questions. Questions that I have asked myself and challenged myself with. And I'd like to ask the rest of you. If the Lord is your portion, how much of your portion does he occupy? How satisfied are you with the Lord, your portion? 
How content are you in your present condition? When being tempted, is the Lord your portion? What about in your misery and doubt? Is the Lord your portion? If the Lord is your portion, how often do you seek him or or pursue after him? How often do you think about him? How often do you talk to him? How often does he speak to you? What conditions or demands are there in order for you to say, the Lord is my portion? What What has to happen first? In other words, is the Lord is my portion or I will have him as my portion only after or when I reach this point in my life or have such and such a thing or, or feel in such and such a way? Only after my portions have been filled, my own portions, then the Lord will be my portion. Is the Lord your portion only when you have reached the end of all that you are able to do? Is the Lord your portion when all other possibilities or options have been exhausted? Is that when the Lord is your portion? When you are undone? Is the Lord your portion when your health is declining? Is the Lord your portion when the suffering doesn't let up? Is the Lord your portion when people leave in your life? When people pass away? Loved ones? Is the Lord your portion when you lose your job? Or as the writer even wrote, when he shuts your prayer? Or so it seems. Is the Lord your portion when? And you can fill in the blank of the many trials and difficulties that may come your way. But the question remains and it lingers, is the Lord your portion? Is he your portion? I suspect that many of us are in this category and it's a danger. It's unlike what took place here with the writer in Jerusalem. It's we have not experienced what he's experienced. That's clear. We have not seen what he has seen, famine in the streets, children being boiled and eaten because it's that bad. Read the book. We have not experienced not even a a sliver of that, but yet we are in danger. We are in danger because we are in a different category. In the kindness of God, being that he provides and cares for his people, that in the midst of his provision and care, we have become self-sufficient and comfortable. And therefore, we say, oh yeah, the Lord is my portion. Sure, he's my portion. Look at everything I have. Look at what I have accomplished. Look at what I, I, I And then we'll tag on the end of that, the Lord is my portion. It is written of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Again, the song of Moses, right? Very profound to go back and read the song of Moses and what the Lord says of the people of Israel there. But he says right after 
saying that Jacob and God's portion is his people. Uh, he says, and he explains as to why. What, what took place? How is it that God is, uh, that Israel is God's portion? That his people are his portion? He said, he made them ride in the high places of the earth. They ate only the finest of foods and were well cared for. Certainly, he carried them through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, where there was nothing, he gave them everything. And he cared for them. And it was evident that it was the Lord's doing. It was evident that those people there are the people of God. You don't mess with the people of God because God is their God. And they are his portion. But it says in verse 15 there that Jeshurun, or Israel, Jacob, grew fat and kicked. He grew fat and kicked. It says that Israel forsook the God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. Now, brethren, I'm not saying here that you have forsaken the Lord and that you have walked away from the faith. What I am saying is that we have neglected our portion. Maybe not all of us. Maybe some of us. But surely all of us at some point, at some time. We would have to be honest and evaluate our lives rightly to say, yes, I am the one that said it with my mouth, but yet did not live it with my life. And say, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. I want to ask you, and can we evaluate ourselves rightly this morning? Can we call upon the Holy Spirit to say, come, convict where convicting is needed, help where help is needing? Would you just help me to see where I'm at right now in this present day? In regards to the Lord as my portion, there are many schemes of the enemy to distract you. That's clear. And from having the Lord as your portion and having other portions that will attempt to fill that void, nothing can fill that void. Maybe you have been fooled and lied to. But there is nothing that will satisfy until the Lord is your portion. You can pursue after fame, fortune, other things, whatever it may be, a high status in this society, you name it. You will not be satisfied. And you already know that. And I already know that. You can live a mediocre, quiet lifestyle and think that you have arrived. You're at peace with everyone there's no enemy that in your mind that you can think of. You're at peace with everyone. You've forgiven everyone. Everything's good. You lack nothing. But if the Lord is not your portion, you away. When the Lord is your portion, he is an everlasting portion. When the Lord is your portion, he is an all-sufficient portion. When the Lord is your portion, he is an all-satisfying portion. When the Lord is your portion, he is an all-wise portion. 
When the Lord is your portion, he is an all-loving portion. He's a sure and steady portion. He is the most beautiful portion. He is the most pleasant portion. He is the most happy and blessed portion. He is the incomparable portion. There is no portion like our Lord. Can you say that this morning? And when you have the Lord as your portion, nothing and nobody can take that away. Martha was flustered. She was all worked up because Mary had her portion. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, no, no, Martha, Martha, why are you so worried and bothered by these things? So distracted by these things. But I want to tell you something. There's only one thing necessary, one thing. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Can't be taken away from her because her portion is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is her portion. Have you this good portion? Have you the Lord Jesus Christ as your portion here this morning? What about when Mary came to the tomb to see the body of Christ, to, to meet? She was weeping, and when asked by the angels, why are you weeping? What is the response? They have taken away my Lord, my Lord. They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid them. Let that be, brethren, our mindset, our purpose, our goal in this life. Give me my Lord. I want my Lord. I want my portion that will satisfy. Look and see what the psalmist says about the Lord being his portion. Maybe this is you. Maybe this is how you feel this morning. But let our response be as the psalmist responds. He says in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you I desire nothing on the earth, although my flesh and my heart may fail me. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. This is the reality of those who have not the Lord Jesus Christ as their Those who are from him will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you, the psalmist says. But as for me, oh, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Amen. Again, in Psalm 142, he cries out to the Lord, he says, you are my refuge, you are my portion in the land of the living. It is you, O Lord. When I am brought low, you deliver me. In Psalm 119, he says, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. Brethren, this is, this is a, a declaration made by one who has committed his ways to the Lord. This is the declaration you who are in Christ Jesus have made. And this is with all one voice we ought to say here this morning, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. 
I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. This is a reminder for us to go back, to remember the commitment to, that we made, that we were to follow him with all of our mind, soul, strength, and body. Lastly, we see in our text here this morning that the writer personalizes this statement. He doesn't just say, the Lord is my portion, and continues on with, therefore I will have, therefore I have hope. He says this, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. In the deepest part of who you are and who I am. At the core, my soul says this. The Lord is my portion. Come what may, let let it be how it is. In our present day, this is not a pandemic we're living in. This is not a or a trial in the sense of or compared to what has taken place here in Lamentations, not even close. But in the deepest part of who you are, though my heart and flesh fail me, this I know, I am fully convinced the Lord is my portion. This is where I'm going to stand. This is what I'm going to cling to. This is what I'm going to proclaim. The Lord is my portion. And therefore, I have hope in him. That's the result of you saying, the Lord is my portion. And it goes even further back than that, right? As we said, it's because you are God's portion. You have hope now. You have hope in the future. It's a living hope. And if God be for us, who can be against us? How persuaded are you? How persuaded are you? How convinced are you that neither famine nor nakedness, death nor life can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? I want to lastly address those of you who do not have the Lord as your portion. And you may be sitting here and thinking, I don't have that. I don't know what it means to have the Lord as my portion. Can I be totally honest and open with you? You've heard it in the past, but you have no hope. You have no true joy. You have no true comfort. You are tossed to and fro, looking for a place to rest, to just say, I have arrived, I'm here, I have my portion in this life. But you will not ever find your portion in this life in the things of this world 
is what I mean. You have been fooled to think that this world can offer you portions that will satisfy. But oh, if you would only have the veil removed from your eyes and to see that you are being fed morsels that are leading you to destruction. For the psalmist said, and it is well and true, behold, those who are far from the Lord will perish. And he will destroy all those who are unfaithful to him. Friend, I pray this morning that it is not you. As long as today is called today, why are you going to delay? Here today, you can have the portions of all portions. You can have the Lord Jesus Christ. All other pursuits are empty and vain. One thing remains. The Lord Jesus Christ, my portion. Oh, Father, I do come before you this morning and plead with you. Lord, that you may have mercy on us. Lord, that you would forgive us for not truly seeking after you and making it our life purpose and goal to have you as our portion. Lord, many times we failed. But Lord, you are so merciful and compassionate and kind and faithful and loving, there is no end to your love. And this morning we are the recipients of it. Oh Lord, this very day, may we all with one voice say, you are my portion. Lord, may we all say that you satisfy me and you fill me. Lord, may we all say that we want nothing else but the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, grant this, we pray, this morning. Help us, Lord, as we walk this life to truly live as those that belong to you. Those, O oh Lord, that are your portion. And Father, those who do not know you as your portion, Lord, draw them near. Show them a glimpse of your loving kindness and of your mercy, Lord. The very fact that they have not been consumed, O oh Lord, is a sign of your mercy and patience. Lord, we love you and we trust you. You are doing what is right. In every single one of our lives, O oh Lord. Father, blessed be your name.